0: You're listening to the Ecclesia of Noonan Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to show your support, find out more information, check out our website, EcclesiaNoonan.com. So yeah, here we are, and um, I'm hoping that God's Word um, finds a place uh, through the Spirit of God to bring you great encouragement. If you're anything like me, when we start talking about the inner man, you have a very internal Delicate sort of balance in there, don't you? Uh, uh, all of us tend to uh, get up in our feelings. Some of us are even ruled by our feelings. Uh, not that feelings are wrong. Emotions are a gift from God. God has emotions. You were made in God's image, and therefore you have emotions. But when, whenever we start talking about the inner man, it is uh, it, we always get the get the meddling in a hurry, right? Um, and so that's that's the goal is for God to bring you strength, right? Um, And sort of in a day where uh, human strength is championed, uh, the Christian worldview says that man is consummately weak in his inner being. And and he's actually essentially corrupt in his inner being, uh, but he's been given a new heart. Um, He's promised a new body. He's given a new mind. He has new hope and new truth to look at. Uh, he's to live his life through a new lens. He has a different economy. Uh, everything about him is ultimately different. That's the reason that we and the scriptures so amiably use the word reform, right? Because there is something uh, that's very different. Of course, our culture today, most of them recognize the spiritual element about man, right? And they just do. Uh, but what we found is rather than the distinct distinctly biblical or Christian worldview, we kind of found a hodgepodge of everything belief, right, that we just kind of put into one pot and stir it up and out it comes, which is really no belief at all, right, we call it pop theology, which is short for popular theology, and as you well know, popular is not always true or right, right, the mob tends to be wrong a lot of times, don't we, and so today the goal for you as a Christian here gathering today by God's commands uh, is is to be strengthened. We need to know that I love you as your pastor and pray for you regularly. Uh, and as for you today, what you learned uh, from today's message is not only are you to be praying, but specifically you learn what to pray. Uh, lots of times our prayers are just in name only. I pray for Rachel and Andrew, right? And that's all. Uh, rather than no, I'm going to pray for Rachel and Andrew's uh, inner constitution, right there. Their inner thing, that you would, God, by your power, strengthen them and give them uh, all that they need uh, to live a life that's worthy of the gospel. Uh, and that's the direction that we're heading. Let's read our text one more time before we um, head off into explaining it today. Um, so Ephesians chapter 3. Um, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 16. Uh, these are the words of God. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. May God bless the reading of this word. Uh, so, two points, really easy today. Uh, first point uh, for you note takers uh, is Paul prays for strength and power, verses 14 and 15, right? Paul prays for strength and power, verses 14 and 15. That's, that's what that uh, looks like. And of course, the second point, um, if you're taking notes in advance, is just strengthened with power, right? So, verses 14 and 15 is Paul's prayer uh, for Strength and power, and then verse 16 is just the strength received. That's that's the idea, right? Um, so uh, the text says here, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Uh, if you'll notice, um, as Paul begins praying, uh, he is um, his mind. If you'll kind of trace his mind and where it's going, so he's saying. I bow my knee immediately the first place that his mind goes to is the grandeur of God right how big God is and he sort of verbalizes that by saying from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named so that's kind of how he calls it out what he's trying to do is he's He's invoking the name of God as sovereign. That's the, that's the, that's what he's doing, right? So when you when you start naming names of these people belong to me, God's sovereignty, uh, or God as a sovereign, as sovereign King and Creator, his his name is is there. Ezekiel chapter eighteen, verse four: Behold, all souls are mine, God said. Uh, the soul of the Father and the soul of the Son are mine, right? So, so God owns everything. That's what he's trying to get at here is that when he's bowing his knees, when he's praying to God, the first thing that comes to mind is that um, this, is, this is the God, the God. I mean, Paul lives in a, a Roman Empire that is very Greek-influenced, and there are lots and lots and lots of gods. There are lots and lots and lots of people. Uh, who think differently than he does about the God of the universe. And he's calling the one God, Yahweh, uh, Jesus, his son is his name, and he's invoking his name, and he's saying, I bow my knees before them. Now, different people prayed in different ways, obviously. Uh, the posture is talked about here, right? So he's immediately talking about bowing uh, his his knees. And, and a lot of people, a lot of Jews, really, when they prayed, they stood up. A lot of people do that today. Uh, you could go into any given church today, depending on the tradition or the denomination, and you say, let us pray. And immediately, the first thing that they would do is stand up, right? Additionally, you could go to a lot of churches and they would say, let us pray, and they would just sit there and do nothing, right? uh equally, you could go into some churches and they, you would say, let us pray and they would immediately go to the floor there in the bench as there's already a place ready for them to kneel there as they pray. So the question is is posture important? And the answer is yes. Uh, and of course perhaps the physical posture is is not as important as the inner posture. Uh, And and that's really what Paul's trying to get here when he's, rather than starting the prayer off with himself, he's starting the prayer off with God. This is who God is, right? I remember immediately after I came to Faith in Christ in college, uh, one of my buddies, Jordan Thomas, who actually helped Mary, Cindy and I did did the sermon almost 20 years ago. He took me into a room and he said, we're going to come in here and pray together. I said, okay, great. This is awesome. And he said, except you can't thank God for anything, you can't ask him for anything. You just have to tell God who he is. And that was the most uncomfortable ten minutes of my whole life. It was. I, I didn't know what to do. I, I had no idea how to pray to God immediately with, with no opportunity to ask, with no opportunity to thank, but just to tell God who he was. But then eventually, after the silence kind of remained... I caught on and I realized, oh, this is praise. That's what this is to be, right? We're supposed to call God who he is. And of course, I followed his very helpful example. And that's exactly what Paul's doing here. Paul's calling the creator by name. And he's saying, uh, this is whom uh, God, you know, this is God who is the father of, of, of every single person on the earth. This is the reason that I'm praying to him. Of course, what he's doing here is he's also invoking God as Father, right? The fatherhood of God, uh, which is maybe a doctrine that we don't talk a lot about. Uh, I think that fatherhood is extremely, extremely important, especially in our culture today. Let me just give you some helpful, maybe unhelpful statistics on, uh, on, on, on fatherhood. Uh, it it, it, says, it goes like this. If... And, What what good are statistics sometimes, right? Uh, Nevertheless, here is one. Uh, It it is said that if a father and a mother stay faithful in church their whole life long, that there is a 75% chance that their children will also be raised in the same Christian spiritual devotion their whole life long. If uh, the dad only, if the dad only Remains faithful in church, and not the mother, uh, it goes down to 50%. So, fi- there's 50% chance that this father's children, without his wife and her mother, going to church for extraneous circumstances. The children then, at 50%, are going to stay faithful, uh, faith in and love for Jesus Christ their whole life long. That number drops to 15%, not 50, not 50, but 15% of the mother only. Is in church, and of course that's quite unfortunate because our churches are are made on a majority of women in this country. Uh, I think we're at sixty plus percent, right? And praise God for women, and the women play such a strong role in the New Testament. They are the financiers of the ministry of Jesus. They are the only ones at the foot of the cross. They are the primary witnesses of the resurrection tomb. They have massive importance. Even in a patriarchal day, they're second-class citizens. They are mentioned front and center. Nevertheless, for our, you know, they are motherhood and femininity is not the subject right here, is it? It's the fatherhood of God, right? And and and, and different ones of us have different thoughts about fatherhood, right? I have a very warm, uh, affectionate, uh, healthy view of what my earthly dad looks like, right? So it's not a struggle for me to look at God in that way at all, right? Uh, The relationship was never abusive, it was never toxic, it was always warm, loving, um, and and, and so that's that's the reality. Everyone is not so, though, is it? So a lot of people do have a hard time finding God in his fatherhood biblically correct, which is all-wise, all-knowing, provider, a disciplinarian, who God the Father most certainly is, if you're his child, um, uh, who also protects and guides. Uh, A lot of us have a hard time with this, but this is the name of God that's invoked. This is the, this is the, this is, you know, from the big distraction from whence Paul has prayed and he started praying in verse one, got distracted, and there's this 13 verse long parenthetical statement that's happening here, and now he picks back up in the prayer, in the middle of that prayer, what does he talk about immediately? He's talking about uh, the sovereignty of God, the grandeur of God, the fatherhood of God, the provision of God. this is the person that he's talking to. this is the uh, this is the uh, name that he is invoking. Before we kind move on to the next point here in verses 14 and 15, I, I just want to talk to parents specifically if I can. Because of the Fatherhood of God and this is just kind of a practical application because of the fatherhood of God, you never need to live under the delusion that you're going at life alone, right? And, 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 and that's, that's what a father does, right? Uh, particularly God the Father who has said, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, for you, created you, sustained you, and uh, I'm with you all of your days, right? Um, I don't know about you, but the fact that my, uh, that my father is alive, and loves me and is present means everything to me right and so when you pivot sort of to god the father you can tell uh, that that is that is equally um important here i think a lot of us feel like we need to be stronger than we are right we we, we uh, want to be kind of an island i think that's our american individualism taking over there uh and the truth is is that um we're only strong as our next weakness. That's the reality. And, and the Christian economy of weakness and strength is that, in fact, he is strong and we are quite weak. Uh, so let me encourage you before we move on. God is good, right? He's a good provider. He guides you through life. He certainly doesn't um, leave you behind. Um, and then, of course, he uh, begins asking, right? He begins asking here in, in, in verse 16, we're not gonna quite head, to, head there yet, but he's he's asking. He's picking up on this prayer in verse, uh, from verse one now to verse 14, and he's asking. I, I think a lot of us, um, maybe all we do is ask of God. Maybe all we do is thank of God. I don't know, um, and I've said this before, and I will say it again, I've, you know, I, I teach theology to middle schoolers, and so when I hear them pray a lot of the times, I feel like many of them, their prayer lives really haven't progressed much past five or six. They sound like they sound like very elementary, unfamiliar prayers. Does that make sense? Um, they are not. They're not really asking God for anything. They thank Him for the day. They thank Him for his mom and dad, and they pray that we have a good day and Amen. Does that make sense? So. Uh, you should feel comfortable enough to make your prayers with God as varied as any interpersonal relationship that you would have. Uh, asking is definitely a part of that. Intimacy is definitely a part of that. Praise and thanksgiving is definitely a part of that. Um, Jesus even says of asking specifically that you should ask. It's a good thing to ask. Um, and you should ask intimately. Uh, Matthew seven 7.11 7, in the Sermon on the Mount says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him, right? Of course, God's giving from his own stores. He's giving by his own definition of good, right? A lot of us look at things, where we're like, this is not good, right? Uh, and in fact, we have to give God the benefit of our doubts when we ask for things and trust that what he, what he gives us is good, um, and that is quite important. Let's just talk about prayer for a second, uh, and, and, and how how important that is. You know, when you when you start studying church history and you start looking at the greats, um, particularly the Puritans as well, but even many of the reformers, uh, or even some of your own heroes in the faith, have you ever noticed that they pray like you know two, three, and four hours a day, right? And just wonder how how is that that they're doing that. And, you know, no matter how far back you go, you kind of see these giants, right? I mean, Luther prayed at least two, three hours a day. How do these guys do this? And so let's just ask ourselves some logical questions. Do they have more time? No. Are they less busy than we are? Definitely not. We waste an exorbitant amount of time in culture don't. We? Um, but but it, it's, it's what we call chronological snobbery to think that we're more busy than people who lived in those times, Right. So, what what I do there is why I go, well, they, they lived in godlier times. Not true. Not true, actually. So, they were able to pray more because they lived in a godlier time. But this, are you busy all the time? Yeah, I'm, I'm busy all the time, too. This is good. Yes, this is good. We're, we're Yeah, no, that's good. Hey, you may want to come up and sit here and help me preach in just a second. You're, you're, you're more than welcome to. As long as you can read my manuscript, you're good to go. Yeah, there you go. So... Um, there's, there's lots of excuses that, that we come up with about why we're not praying, and everyone that I seem to try to manufacture, when I start thinking rationally, I'm like, I'm just justifying things again, which is just our very sinful human nature, right? As to say, no, actually, the difference between me and and these men and or these women, whatever Christian biography you're reading is, they just, they had a time that they were gonna carve out and that was their time. Does that make sense? Um, you know, I, I carve out plenty of me time in, in my week. And so I think that that's probably what it is. It is, a, it is a dedicated time to have set hours in the day that will not be moved. Because as you know, in our schedule, we're gonna move anything and everything, right? We'll move heaven and earth in our schedule for ourselves, at least, or anything like me, you, you will. Uh, Luther himself said that prayer is hard work. He actually said that prayer is much harder than preaching, uh, which I find interesting. Uh, a principle for us to remember, and perhaps one for you to write down is this. Prayer is not an interruption in the middle of your life. That's something that I think that you need to jot down and or keep in the beginning of your mind that prayer is not an interruption. Also, prayer is not a break in the middle of your human ambition. Prayer is your ambition. Does that make sense? I I would say we have, and I think many ministers would agree with me um, so that I'm not kind of demonizing my own class here because I stand stand among them. Um, We have a whole class of ministers who think that prayer is just an antiquated word. And in our sort of American success, they don't feel like it's active enough. It's far too passive. And we as a class of ministers really misdiagnose the nature of our office. Um, Our office from long ago was to preach, sacrifice and pray. That's what we're supposed to do. And we've kind of left all that behind for business acumen and an entrepreneurial spirit in the ministry rather than uh, laying hold of God in prayer and praying prayerful prayers, hanging on to God's cross with one hand, holding on to the situations in the other, and bringing those together in prayer. Uh, And I think that that is important. I think it's important that your children see you pray. Luther, who obviously, as you know, because I talk about him so much, uh, was a big fan of praying out loud. He prayed out loud. Um, That was very important to him. Uh, I'm not advocating that you pray out loud all the time uh, uh, because I I think you probably pray out loud. uh, If you're anything like me, you pray at work, right? I pray in the halls of the middle school, and that would be pretty awkward, wouldn't it? Um, Nevertheless, we need to find our mode and posture and our message of praying, and we need to make it so. Um, Let's look at our, our last point. Our last point is in verse 16. So one is a prayer for strength. Now we're actually getting to the theological strengthening bit. Um, and so this is what Paul is praying for. So we've talked about what Paul, what he's doing, and now he's praying to, now what he's praying for. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. That's a mouthful. There's a lot to that. Um, and we could unpack it, and we'll unpack it for a little bit here, but not for a very long time. First, First of all, let's just notice here, and don't miss this, that God is the giver, okay? And God is the giver. Uh, We've taught for many, many years that Christianity is a giving religion. It's a giving spirituality. For God so loved the world that he gave. This is a a giving God. He redeems a giving people. Uh, But ultimately, if you'll notice here, it says uh, that he may grant you to be strengthened. In America, we think that we can determine and will ourselves to do anything that we want, and we are sorely mistaken, sorely mistaken. We are incredibly dependent on a holy God. Now by that statement, we're not vaporizing free will, right? That part of the contrary, human responsibility is right throughout the Bible. But uh, if you're anything like me, you constantly need to have that reset button hit that says God is the giver, God is the giver, God is the giver, God is the giver, right? Um, that he's He's the one who, who grants these things. Um, in middle school, uh, what, a part of what we're doing uh, in, in the eighth grade is we're memorizing the entire book of 2 Timothy in addition to our daily studies in systematic theology as we go through Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And one of the verses there in chapter 2 uh, says, in 2 Timothy chapter 2 says, correcting his opponents with gentleness, I'm talking about the man of God here, that God, excuse me, God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. So, Now, when I became a Christian, did I repent of my sin? Sure. But both in the book of Acts and here in 2 Timothy, it says that repentance is granted. It's not drummed up. It's peeled out of thin air or out of the goodness. That that makes sense. Uh, it, it, it is given. Uh, Defense is given and here in our uh, in our text. Strength is given. Power is given. Um, spiritual strength, actually. Uh, the core of the inner man. Another uh, is such place in the scriptures, and they are many, which talk about God being the one that gives. First, uh, Corinthians chapter three, verse six. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 6, Paul is speaking to his his rogue child, the Corinthians, and he says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. So when we say that God grants to you strength, the, the, the emphasis is to be laid on the giver. It's to be laid on God. And of course, you know, if Paul could give them strength, then he would just give it to them. But he's not. He's asking the one who holds the well of all strength, and he's going to him in prayer and saying, God, will you, will you supply great strength? So let's talk about strength for a minute, if we can. When, when you think of the word strength, I want you to think of the word fortification or fort, right? Um, uh, shoring up right? Making sure that's, that's, that's really the idea, uh, here. Um, you are called and commanded in scripture over and over and over again to be strong. Uh, and the command for you to be strong. And this verse saying that God grants strength are in no way, shape, form, or fashion at odds. Not at all. You are equally commanded to be strong. And God is, uh, equally present and represented in this situation in as much as he grants us strength. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, uh, verse 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. That's the ESV. uh, It's not a paraphrase, right? Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Uh, Colossians chapter 1. Verse 11, Colossians chapter one, verse 11. Uh, Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Of course, the question is who is the source of strength and the source of all of our strength is the strong one. The one who made time, the one who made space and matter and material, though he himself is immaterial. Uh, He's the one who made strength He garners strength for you. He supplies it with the psalmist when we say, my soul melts away, Psalm 119, strengthen me according to your word. We pray those prayers to God in Psalm 119 because we know that God is the deep well of strength. I don't know about you, but the human condition many mornings wakes up down, melancholy, dark, in despair, listless, no direction, not sure where to go. That's the reason that the psalmist said, pray in the morning, incline my heart to your word and not to selfish gain, right? Um, And and so uh, when we wake up in the morning, uh, it is important to pray prayers of strength and for strength. And of course, it's very important, might I add, to not spend your morning navel gazing uh, about your own situations but make your focus Christ, um, uh, knowing that he has great power, that if he can defeat death on your behalf in the resurrection on that great Sunday morning, which is why we're here today, then he can certainly give you strength to take the next step in your Christian life. Um, So uh, there is, there is an, um, there is an inward control uh, or you could call it strength there 's an inward control that God supplies uh, that manifests itself on the outside like the f- the fruit of the spirit, all of that strength, all that energy, all that sort of spiritual work uh, that 's given certainly by God so it is God who recreates your inner man and it is God who also makes it stronger um, as we get older. Um, as we get older, our bodies uh, get more tired, right, Dad? Um, right, Seth, you're really old. Everybody thought you were older than me, but they're, they're wrong. Um, that's inappropriate, I'm sorry. Uh, <clears throat> but this is, this is what I find. I, I, I find that as people get older, they either get a lot sweeter or they get a lot worse. Notice that? Like, sincerely. Like, they just get awful. Awful. They, they care less. They are less sympathetic. They are less compassionate, right? Their filters are moving away. And it's not because they're losing their mind. Uh, it's because they've, they're, right, they're, they're, uh, their filters are just sort of moving away for, for whatever situation. So the question is, does... Does the outer man waste away? And it does. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. I want you to write this down, this reference. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. So we do not lose heart. So do we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed by day day by day. Um, Please note here that Christians, Christians and Christians only, should get sweeter the older they get, not more cantankerous, right? Not more unruly, um, not more, uh, you know, uh, sort of lack of self-control, as it were. Uh, They should get sweeter. The longer you walk with Jesus, right? The more spiritually mature you become, uh, the more you are walking with Christ hand in hand down the Via Dolorosa, the way of the cross. You certainly, your self-sacrifice should not end in the logical end of your own narcissism, right? Um, and just getting worse as you get older. Um, so uh, that's a, that's a palpable application there. Um, all of us certainly should be known for our patience. Um, it is, um, as we always re- read at all of our weddings, the first display of love, right? Love is patient and then kind. Uh, conclusion here for us today um, there is an incredible formulaic relationship between power and love and prayer. Okay, so that one more time. There is an incredible formulaic relationship, and I don't know it all, right? I just know what's prescribed, between power and love and prayer, right? So we're seeing you strengthened in your inner man, that's that's what we want, we want you strengthened, we want you uh, mature spiritually, that's our job, that's the end of discipleship, that's the reason Part of the reason the sacred desk of the pulpit and preaching is prescribed is for people to mature, and with that maturity comes strength in age, right? Um, uh, Doesn't make us better than anyone. It certainly doesn't make us superior in any way, especially since Christians are called to regard others as more important than themselves by command, um, which is a lifelong difficulty, of course. I'll leave you with a verse that we will study together in the last chapter of this journey together going through the book of Ephesians in chapter 6, right before we start talking of the armor uh, of God. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might this economy of strength and power. Good man. Thank you. Is is that the, uh, is that the armor of God? Is that right? Good man. Good man. I I, I'm telling you, I'm, we're going to make him an intern in a hurry, in a hot hurry. Um, so, uh, we teach our, speaking of our children, we teach our children from a young age all those messages that we seem to forget. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Um, and we're just growing up little kids, guys, and, and you, you certainly know that. You, you feel the weight of, of weakness, and weakness is the way in Christianity. That, that's it. And um, uh, Paul talks about his weakness, Uh, He talks about his his spiritual weakness, right, and his inabilities. Um, He talks about his physical weakness a lot. Paul was most likely blind. Um, He was certainly handicapped because of all of his sufferings. Um, uh, You know, he uh, could have been down. He's wrote half of his letters from prison, including ours tonight. Um, and yet he find, found strength to be involved in radical gospel ministry. And I want to encourage you to do the same. Um, pray. And, 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 and so now what, what you have is you have a message for your prayer. That when you pray for yourself, that you pray for strength. And when you pray for others, this is a good baseline for you to pray. That, that God would strengthen them in their inner being, right? That God would give them all that they need for life and godliness, which he has, promised to them. Um, we're going to take the Lord's table. And in this table, uh, if you're a believer, you have faith and in love for Jesus Christ, you're invited to take with us gladly. Uh, this sacrament is given symbolically, and it's given for strength. That's what it's given for. It's not given to beat down the uh, believer because of all of their sin. Uh, it's, it's given to show incredible grace. It's, it's given to show wrath and uh, God's wrath absorbed on our behalf. And so um, I'm gonna uh, serve you the Lord's table uh, this morning. I'm gonna ask uh, Justin if he'll help me serve, and then you'll be free to take the Lord's table after we pray, okay, let's pray together. Lord, as we come into a time where you um, command us to take the Lord's table, uh, we, we ask that as we look at the gospel face to face, Uh, This morning, with your sacrifices for us, that it would give us fresh energy um, through your power and through your spirit, God, to love well, to be patient, God, to know ourselves and to know you, to live in wisdom, uh, to not live in a constant state of reaction uh, or anxiety, God, but that you would give us strength by your Holy Spirit. God, we recognize our deep need for you and our constant dependence on you. And so we pray that um, we pray that you would make us prayerful people, praying prayerful prayers um, with eyes wide open in the middle of our work day, uh, in the middle of our vocation, um, as we go in the morning and over our meals and at night and stopping in the middle of the day when people need us to just pray for them that we would pray god we also turn our our eyes to you and we thank you jesus for constantly interceding for us and advocating for us to to the father um uh, in love god being our great savior and our king so we thank you for praying for us lord Uh, we love you god we thank you for your presence here we pray that this would um, honor you and pray these things in christ's good name all right, you're free to take the Lord's time. Thanks for listening to the Ecclesia of Noonan Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to show your support, find out more information, or hear more like this, check out our website, EcclesiaNoonan.com.